brand that's gone and developed the topical relevance in a specific area could just throw up an average sales page, an average product page, and rank on page one almost instantaneously because they have that topical relevance already. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Is your Amazon private label business set to survive the downturn? Most sellers don't know. Surviving a downturn means squeezing out more profits and slashing waste. But many sellers don't know exactly where their business is making or losing money. If that's you, we can help. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a quick but powerful diagnosis of your biggest issue, just go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's Amazon Profit quiz.com to get your free instant analysis if you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode just go to amazingfba.com forward slash for 27 hey folks welcome back to the 10k collective podcast for six and seven figure amazon and e-commerce sellers today we are talking to ashley pierce from Future State Media, who's really specialized in e-commerce SEO, which is to say, you know, how to rank your website and of course, make money from it in the e-commerce space with a particular spin that he's very good at working with people who focus primarily on Amazon as their sales channel, either because they wish to continue that, but to boost it from their own web traffic and, uh, or they wish to capture emails and create their own audience and, or they are selling on their own website. So there, there's a range of people that Ashley will work with. Today, we're going to talk about some really, really important things with e-commerce SEO. First of all, time frame. How long is it going to take us to start making money from this? And where are the tipping points? Uh, who should be doing this? And who is it a bit early for? Um, and a bit of an explanation of, of the reality of what actually motivates Ashley's clients. Very interesting discussion. Uh, what do we do once we've got a little bit of authority from Google? How can we actually make the most of that? And um, yeah, how, when do we, you know, how do we deal with the non-commercial keywords? That's to say a ranking for something that is not immediately a buyer keyword, but has some value. How do we convert that into value? How do we make, you know, monetize that, if you will? Um, and then we talk a bit about email lead capture and email nurturing as well. So quite a lot of detail because this is a complex uh, business. And I think that's why we need an expert guide to simplify and map this process out for us. And Ashley Pierce is that guy. So I hope you enjoy the show. If you're in e-commerce and you are running a website for SEO to rank on Google, or you're thinking of doing that, listen up, take notes. And as ever, if you want the notes, go over to 10kcollective.com for detailed show notes. Enjoy the show. Well, so you'd be a man who knows about makeup bags, not because of your lifestyle. But because of the fact that you sold them on Amazon, so obviously I, I know you, you know, whatever you speak there. Okay. So that's quite sobering six to nine months to rank for, so, you know, get, start to get the money back out of the system. That's obviously a lot of investment. So that really brings me to another question, which is who should be taking this really seriously and who should not be doing this yet? 
It's, it's a good question because the the other thing that we kind of touched on there was in, in terms of authoritativeness and the way that the Google algorithm now works. And one of the things that is Google and any algorithm takes into account is like how long a brand has been around and how long a website has been around and whether a website is established as a brand in their eyes. And one of the ways of doing that is whether they're established as an entity within their knowledge graph. We've just dived into some couple of really technical terms <laughs> there. They're very specific, but just take it from me that this is a related to age and, and a bit of work that we would then do to justify your existence within the Google knowledge graph. So therefore, the question around how how soon should people be looking at this and what what people should be thinking about this? So, well, actually, get get yourself a website launched day one. That should sort of be so that at the top of the list. Get your social and all that stuff claimed and linked back to your website and linked from your website. All of those types of things. But actually, then going on this journey of topical mapping and building out the content and building out the the ranking on the the product and collections pages and things like that. That's something that that definitely should come in once you've maximised other opportunities. And it's fair to say that the majority of clients that we work with and we have worked with who've seen and had longevity and stuck around and stuck with this process are typically people who are in that stage where they've maximized their opportunities on other platforms such as maximizing amazon that being said there are other clients we're working with that are seeing it as a pure diversification play so it's not just about sort of all right we've maximized amazon it's time to try somewhere else it's actually okay, we're, we're on a journey with Amazon, but we understand the fact that we have platform risk, et cetera. So we're going we're gonna to plow some money into this. But again, as a risk mitigation strategy, it, it's still something that takes real investment gumption, I think is what I would, yeah. I would refer to it as. Yeah, I like that. I mean, so there's an implicit question, assumption behind all um, internet marketing. All is an exaggeration, but 90% of the stuff out there, which is Whatever grows your revenue fastest is the best thing. And, and by the way, I think that implies that revenue is a good metric. And I'm not a fan, as you know, actually, I'm yeah. playing on about profit, 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 and cash is even better. But also, yes, I think it's really important to bear in mind just a broader sort of point I want to just put in there that risk mitigation and concentration risk mitigation, specifically around Amazon, is not about making extra money. It's about being able to keep the lights on in the, what is it, one in a hundred chance that you get suspended this year. It's probably higher than you think, right? We all know people personally that, that have been suspended. But yeah, I, I think that's a valid reason for doing, but again, completely different reason. And it would be ir irrational to expect it to make you more money than Amazon if the reason you're doing it is not for that reason in the first place, right? Do, do you have clients who kind of come with mixed messages here or what, what do your clients actually want to achieve when you, when you get into the conversation and you dig a bit deeper? What is their real motivation for coming to you to, to go onto this? Yeah, it, it, it's really, really hyper varied because we have some clients with really firm ideas around the commercial keyword that they really want to rank for and own. And it's like a single keyword in mind. And actually that single minded focus can be really, really effective helping us be have a kind of North star to point to. If we're not focusing on building topical relevance or ranking that page, then that's, you know, ranking the commercial page for that commercial term, then what are we doing? And that can be really effective. Other clients are, can be anything from explorative to it just feels like the right thing to do. <laughs> and they're kind of in that position of, well, everyone else seems to be doing it. And I can understand why, they, you know, why wouldn't you do it? to a certain degree the explorative 
ones tend to be the ones where I think it, it potentially feels like it's been, it could be easier than it actually is because of a perceived understanding of how Google and Google search and things like that actually work. And in those instances, you know, having a, a really entry level offer in just to test the water is, is kind of something that we've done because ultimately the most successful programs are the ones where we have a real commitment and a real sense of sort of banding together as a, as a team between sort of us and the, the client to, to really push the, the whole business forward. Because yeah, SEO used to be something was like you had your SEO person or you hired your SEO sort of person who majored in technical SEO and understood all the hacks and tricks that you needed to do. Whereas actually modern day SEO, if you can call it that, definitely relies on this wider, wider business perspective. Everyone in your business needs to be really thinking and taking care of the SEO side of things. So when the opportunities come up for links, because links still matter, when the opportunities come up for links, let's make sure that the right type of link and we're using an optimized sort of anchor text or something like that, again, dropping some technical terms in there. But the point is the, the commitment is far greater than the monthly fee that they're paying us to do the SEO. The commitment is actually in engaging with SEO on a much deeper level and getting the benefit out of it off the, off the back of that. And the high profit sales that come off the back of having, you know, some top ranking performance terms in the, you know, top one to three in Google for some really commercial intent terms can be absolutely phenomenal. And the, you know, there is no such thing as a return on ad spend. There is no ad spend. And yes, you've spent money to get there, but this, it's a, it's a cumulative benefit that you've, you've generated. And the, as we've mentioned, in terms of that topically relevant website, once you've created that thing, it's an asset. It's a ranking machine, which means you can go and target other commercial terms. You can actually go and start to use this website and your ranking as a mechanism of finding other products you should actually be selling. So that's where I see the opportunity with uh, the, the next opportunity with S the, the SEO work that we do and how we approach it in building that content-led approach to build the topical relevance, rank the commercial terms. Then it's about finding other commercial terms that you've got ease of ranking for in, in my mind. And that, that's, that's a, that's an area where a lot of our clients are actually focusing as well. Great. Well, that really brought, brings us to the next question, which is, okay, so we work really, really hard to get this topical authority. And what do we do once you found it? So you're suggesting you, you start looking for other products. I mean, presumably, well, let, let's kind of go back a little bit before that. We've got the authority. We're starting to see that hockey stick growth in. Which is a false, you know, positive for the the entrepreneur because of course it's not really commercially intended. Yeah. But what do we do from there then? I mean, are we going to try and rank for just one very narrow set of keywords? How, how do we sort of approach it? Yeah, no, no, that's uh, so. Initially, obviously, that topical map has been built off of an uh, an idea of a set of products that you've started uh, started off with. It's the product that you've built the topical map around and the product based keywords. But inevitably, as a result of doing it like that, you will have established topical relevance for other products that you potentially potentially don't sell. So that that for me is that next phase of finding those other topics, finding those other opportunities. And some of those opportunities won't come up via a search tool that you're using like Ahrefs or SEMrush. They'll come up via the proprietary data you've now generated through Google search. And you can see what people are actually searching for and see what you're getting impressions for within Google. That might not be coming up in these in these tools, which again is just a 
such a defensible moat position to be in because you have that data and other people don't. That isn't something that somebody else would be able to go and establish an understanding or a, a, even to evaluate a demand for using even the top tools in the in the environment. So that for, that for me is is where the the next the next exciting opportunity lies because we we see the, the the commercial opportunity that then sits on top of this website. Of course, you know, on that front, the client might already have a product development path. They might have might be on a path to to develop certain other products, which might not sit within the same topical map that you built. So the next n- natural sort of position for those is to write, okay, well, we'll extend this topical map to encompass this new product or this new part of your product line. And then there's more article content that you produce to enhance your topical relevance in that area. So you can steadily just take over the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty much as Amazon have done on it, a whole sort of e-com sort of covering every category. Yeah, you, you just become the expert in one particular area. I mean, I guess, again, as the primitive Amazon seller in me is saying, okay, this is a little bit like you find a product that sells really well, and then you do a, a small version, a big version, a black version, a children's version, a, a one pack, a 50 million pack, and, and you can build a whole business pretty much that way, right? We, we know people that, that are doing that. So I guess it's the, the much more sophisticated, more nuanced, longer term version of the same kind of idea, right? You find a niche and then double down on the niche, that kind of idea. Is that, is that, is that about right? Yeah, yeah. Just you know, the the power of it as as a demonstration. As a as a brand new seller, if you wanted to go and launch a new product page to sell your product, and you had no topical authority, topical relevance in in any, and you just put that page up on your website and put it in Google, it could be a really awesome sales page that's you know really optimized for the search term. But without that support of the topical relevance, you're nowhere. Whereas this other a brand that's gone and developed the topical relevance in a specific area could just throw up an average sales page, an average product page, and rank on page one almost instantaneously because they have that topical relevance already. So yeah. it's kind of like, it, it, it's not, I don't want to say it's like kind of like shooting fish in a barrel, but it can get to that point where actually the opportunities are so blatantly obvious. Why don't we just go and do that? Because we've already built the asset that will enable us to do that. Reminds me of a conversation I remember my business coach years ago having to me. He'd been on a, a call, sat in on a call that his coach had had with Wrigley Spearman Gum or some you know major corporation, and he put the phone down. and, and My business coach said to him, "Look, no offense, but I could have said that it seems fairly basic." And he looked at him and he said, "The difference between you and me is that I put a zero on the end of my invoices." And then there was silence. He was expecting a follow-up, and like, no, that's literally it. So I guess that authority in the offline world is something we're more familiar with. I'm familiar with in the information marketing space, I guess. And it seems like on Google, it's the same thing, which is you can say saying that it's not earth shatteringly original or well said, but because you've been given the rank of authority by Google, then it counts and people see it and take action on it. And so it's very, very interesting how much power authority building has in the long term. And I guess that's your, your focus and that's the sophistication that, that you're bringing, which I have to say is eye opening. I hadn't heard about this approach at all. So no, look, the other thing that strikes me is we, you work really, really hard to get topical relevance. You've got a spike of turns that aren't commercially very, you know, they haven't got high buyer intent. Then you get the high buyer intent keywords, fantastic, start to make money, everyone's happy. But it does strike me that hidden amongst those other words are a bunch of people who, for example, your dog person is presumably quite into dogs and they've got a dog following them around implies they have a dog, which means they've got to feed it, they've got to clothe it, they've got to spend money on it in some way. So presumably we, we've got to deal with those less commercial keywords, but find some elegant way to turn that into gold at some point. So how do you deal with that whole mass of keywords there? 
100%. And, and this is definitely where the prioritization of the effort and time definitely kicks in. We, we see the fact that we built topical relevance as this wide open door to our right. And we're, we're looking at it and going, we want to run through it. We don't want to walk through it. You know, well, let's go and get some more commercial terms. Let's go and solidify and, and own certain niches from a commercial perspective. But there is also this wide open door on our left hand side, which is, well, we've got 50,000 people visiting our website every month, 100,000, 150,000 people visiting our website each month, which have, who have no buying intent, who are walking in and walking straight back out. Surely we should be doing something to, to kind of help corral those people towards our product and, and to pages. And, and hey, you know, I'm never one to, to miss opportunities. I'm all about delivering multiple forms of value from every activity we do. So I'm, 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 I, I could be distracted by that, that, that number as well. You can get carried away with the traffic, but to do it properly. And to do it effectively and to move people along a, a journey using that content, it isn't for the faint hearted. It's something that takes a lot of focus, a lot of energy and a, a, a potentially the investment in a lot more assets to help you move those, those buyers in a, a direction. So, or those visitors in a direction towards being buyers. So the example that I, I would give is in that example with the, why does my dog keep following me everywhere? If you were thinking, right, how do we move this person towards being a customer of ours in the future. And well, right now, they're not ready for a discount. They're not ready for a call to action because this is going to solve them a problem, solve their problem. The, instead, you could offer them, and the, the age old sort of like offer them a PDF. Yes, a PDF, but so, some you know, something incentivizing them and to help them with their, their search query that they've actually landed on your website for. Like, what? Why would they be thinking like, and even asking the question, why does their dog follow them everywhere? Are they, are they worried about the fact that their dog doesn't have good social skills or isn't very good at independent play as an example? Is that, um, that's a real thing for dog owners. That's hilarious. It re yeah, it really, yeah, it really is. We, we, we learn all sorts of weird stuff when we're looking at the, the, the Google algo, cause you kind of realize how connected some of these topics are, but yeah, social skills and dog mental health is quite a, quite a big thing. So. For, you know, for instance, that could be linked to somebody worried about the mental health of their dog, worried about the fact that their dog has separation anxiety and, and things like that. So you could offer them a an email course. You could offer them a, a mobile-friendly PDF that they can save to the files on their iPhone because that's actually a much more interesting and useful thing for them because people will consume that stuff on their phone and you know, have a handy swipe file for, oh yeah, when my dog starts following me, what were those techniques that I could use again? And you know, be able to you be in the park and you have them on your phone or whatever that might be. So to, to offer that somebody some resources, some usefulness to deliver some value to that person, to get that person to give you an email and to, to kind of deliver that value on, on behalf of them. That's a fantastic way of, of bringing that person into some sort of funnel. But so it just strikes me just one, one thought on that. I mean, it's, that's an age old funnel. I remember when I first got into being taught internet marketing back in 2007, that, that was it still holds true. Now I asked my guests who come on the podcast, have you got a PDF? You ask people to download and by the way i would say maybe one in ten have and these are information focused guys so i mean very few people have by the way i believe you have got something like that so we'll talk about that in a sec but yeah. what strikes me though is this that we're all very busy selling as e-commerce operators if we can put that hat on products and then there's a bunch of people and also i wear that hat selling you know digital type products but it always seems to me that people who sell physical products are obsessed with selling physical products well i guess that kind of sounds like an axiomatic truth but why not sell them for example, a book on 
you know, why is my dog following me or something? Is there not a market for that? Do people actually do that in the real world? Or is that just in my mind that that's a possibility? Is that just theory? No, it, it, I mean, it is. And we have done projects where we've collated ebooks. They've typically been for, for free, but the, we've kind of said, look, you know, these, these books have been put together to the quality where we could just list them on Amazon for sale and <laughs> you could sell it and you know, offer it as a freebie via the website, but actually have it so that it's got a value, you know, a, a distinct value that you've put on it for sale on Amazon. So it, it could be done. Again, it's that thing of, is it a distraction to start thinking about trying to sell digital products via these articles that you're trying to turn into com- something that's commercially viable for you or is it just a better use of your time to be doing something else and more often than not the the stages that the projects are at and the the determination for business owners and entrepreneurs to be launching more physical products where they see you know real market metrics and and big data and average order values and all those types of things those things more often than not feel more appealing but Hell, you know, I'm, if there is an opportunity to be selling a digital product on, on your blog, I would, I would go for it. But at the same time, not, and not, not at the expense of the ultimate goal that you were aiming for when you started out on the, the journey. Yeah. And I guess maybe it's, it's the sort of shiny object that I'm currently obsessing about for, for whatever reason. So I, I take your point about not getting distracted. It does strike me, and there are certain markets when you try and look, do keyword research, even on Amazon, which is very, very physical product centered, obviously, that actually half of the results would be, you know, a book of some description. Obviously, it's often a, a, a Kindle book, which could become a PDF, but sometimes a physical book or an audio book. So I'm just always fascinated by that possibility. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a question of what your expertise is, right? I guess if you're really, really good at sourcing physical products from a factory and that's the expertise you've got for the last 10 years. You're wise to stick to it, but that's always fascinating to me. And so tell me about the reality of that on the ground then. You see, you're doing this with your clients day in, day out. Do you have an example of when that's worked really well, when you're actually converting these sort of less commercial terms into say an email capture as a return for a PDF, and then you're actually managed to sell them. I mean, how does that work in reality? So, so I'll, I'll be honest, it's an area where we, we, we are doing some work, but it's an area where we've had to actively engage our brains in doing more of that work. In essence, we're, what we're stepping away from is SEO and what we're stepping into is CRO. And that's not to say that those things are exclusively different. You know, as I said today, SEO is something that's a company-wide endeavor. So when you're considering CRO, you're also considering SEO and vice versa. But yeah, the, typically what we'll see in terms of our activity is it'll be more about the, the, the capture of, of those traffic, of that traffic. That being said, when we're typically what we will spend our time on in terms of helping to do the the CRO side is look very much at their bottom of funnel article content or middle of funnel article content and making sure that we're presenting the product as the solution, not just in the the, the way that the article is written, but also the way that we're positioning the, the product and the call to actions and the advice that we're then providing around actually if you've got this type of problem you need this if you've got that type of problem you need that and this is why and and giving some real in-depth explanations within the content so or it where we would typically spend a lot of time and energy obsessing i mean obsessing over the words and the structure and the positioning of certain words and links and things on the page for a product page or a category page we'll get that obsessive about the the info content because actually where we were originally looking at that piece of info content 
and thinking, oh, it's just there to help us build topical relevance. All of a sudden, now we're starting to see it's generating sales for the business, right? Okay. How do we maximize its rank and maximize the way that it converts? And actually that's just all about testing some call to action placements, making sure that we've written the article in the way that actually does deliver that natural lead into a click, not overly aggressive sales. Again, not underselling the product either. So that that's typically where, where our wheelhouse will sit. And then we work with clients who are actually doing some of the CRO activity themselves in terms as well, in terms of thinking about how to convert those really no, not even in the funnel <laughs> type of type of prospects. So that's where things like 10% off discounts on your first orders and, and things like that will will kick in. As as I say, you offering those sorts of commercial incentives on articles where there's no, there was no buying intent to begin with, typically offer a, a much lower conversion rate. There is a conversion rate, but a much lower conversion rate. But the the advice that, the, that we then do, and then one of the areas we're, we're now venturing into is, is kind of developing our capability as well. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 427. Because it's not something that's necessarily sort of in, in the realm of the e-com SEO <laughs> activity that, that most people would offer is thinking about how we deliver those those lead magnets or those those incentives that align very much with the search intent of the the article that's ranking. So as we were just saying there about, you know, why doesn't my dog follow me everywhere? That would be a, a you know, prime opt-in for something about dog mental health. But you see, you see the issue here that comes up when I'm sat, sat with my sort of ROI cap on as well. Um, potentially we're, we're creating a lead magnet or something for every article, every other article, and we could have published 500 articles within a topical map to establish a level of topical relevance. So that's a lot of individual customization work and focus on every single article to, to kind of deliver that outcome. Whereas yeah, we plowed that effort into ranking the commercial pages or <laughs> ranking more commercial pages. We're kind of, as I say, you know, like to refer to that as like mopping up the sales, whereas over here, we're shouting at the top of our voice, trying to get the sales, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's a question of whether you try and optimize the existing machine or just build out more of the sort of top of the funnel. And I suppose one, one halfway house, I mean, you know, podcasts have, have the same problem or anyone information marketing space, which is if you create a uniquely tailored lead magnet to every single article, well, I, I think we've got a, it's like 800 posts alone on, on the blog at the moment. We need to clean it up. I need to talk to you about this. But, you know, that would be absolutely insane amount of work and it would be not worth it because most of the May to 20 rule means that most of them don't get much traffic. But I'm sure that you could come up, if you have a lot of people inquiring about dog mental health, you could have, you know, a, a guide for the general mental health issues and you could, you know, do something to lead capture. I mean, I don't know about you, I mean, tell me about this. When I work with, I mean, I, I don't tend to work with people outside the Amazon sort of bubble, but when I do, I'm sort of crying when they have decent traffic and they don't do lead capture. It, do you think it's really, how big a priority should it be for people? Do you think in reality, they just need to keep focusing on, you know, ranking for commercial terms or is it worth developing that expertise? What's your feel about that? So, yeah, and it all comes down to, to, to budgets and priorities for me. And exactly as you said, then ar around how would you, approach that project efficiently and yes you wouldn't probably go and put first like on the task list build 500 lead magnets you'd right oh let's identify the first 10 <laughs> and 
let's let's get this down and and do that type of thing. But the yeah, the ultimately, oh, I've lost my train of thought there. Sorry. So obviously, we're not talking about creating five hundred lead capture, you know, lead magnets. But let's say we can get it down to ten, you know, most search for that, that sort of clustered together search intent, as you put it before. Still going to be a lot of work. What's your instinct with this? Is it mostly with your clients? Do you find that it's worth doing that sort of work, or is it easier and better to just get on with doing more of the same that you did? That is to say, you know, fine tuning for commercial keywords and and keeping building authority. Yeah, so the the it comes down to prioritization and prioritization of your your, your time and your efforts that are available, and it could be around the budget that literally we you've got to spend <laughs> with us or whoever you, you, whether that's better plowing it into some more social ads or, or something else. So the the easiest and simplest thing that we we would typically do, and we we would say it would be sacrilege not to have any form of opt in. Definitely give somebody the opportunity for a conversion. Definitely have an opt-in and maybe that's just a commercial intent, 10% off your first order type of thing. Such a sort of expected thing from an e-commerce side of things these days so that if you don't have it, then it's more more of a, 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 a something to talk about than if you do. So to so definitely have, have that side of things. And we're, of course, where it's natural to mention your product in the, the articles that have been created, that would naturally be a place where we can put some CTAs and, and things like that into the content. So those, those are low hanging fruit. You know, you don't necessarily have to go to the extent of building out individual lead magnets or lead capture incentives for you know, that align with each of these topics. But if you want to do this properly and if you want to really monetize that traffic and want to see a reasonable conversion rate, that's the sort of thing that you need to go down to. Whereas actually, um, from a limited budget perspective, if you can't afford that that time and energy as well as investing into the the kind of the ranking of your your, your product and collections and your, your your commercial intent pages then don't sacrifice that that budget make sure that budget is as protected as it can be because those are the things that ultimately are going to pay for the for the next piece of work that you're going to do and those those are the things that are, you know don't take your eye off the ball for the sake of trying to to be converting what could be traffic that's months away from purchasing, let alone sort of clicks away from purchasing. So it's, yeah, it, it, it can be a distraction. And the, the, the best practice when you're thinking about your budget is just to make sure that you're not compromising the individual ranking for product and collections pages budget for the sake of trying to do something else. But if you've got budget to do everything, do everything. Yeah. You know, that's Thank the Gary you. V. That's yeah, the Gary that, V advice, right? You know, what I should guess I do? so. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I guess what you're saying is stick to the things that are high in commercial intent and make sure you're really ranking for that, which makes sense. I mean, yeah, as you say, you're quite right that it's very speculative to capture an email lead and then nurture it for months that we don't have any proof that they actually buy stuff. So it's a very, very, very valid point. Well, look, there's obviously a huge amount of thought that has to go into this. It's not a casual undertaking, but give us a couple of headline figures of some of some of the juicy results your clients have been getting, and then we ought to do to begin to wrap this up by giving people some places they can get help from you. Yeah, of course. ROI is always a, I actually have a lot of conversation about ROI when it comes to SEO with, in a number of contexts, not just in e-commerce, but the projects, some of the, the longer term projects it, it are easier to kind of explain ROI in terms of, because ultimately it's a multi-year ROI. You're looking to annualize the number as opposed to look at it from a month by month basis. Obviously with advertising, social advertising, you can look at it 
what did what did we spend in January? What do we deliver in terms of sales in January? And that's not how SEO works, which makes it more difficult to to kind of think about it in terms of an investment and a, a sure thing. But in our sort of three year project, some of the projects we've been doing, working on for three years plus, we're looking at annualized ROI in some cases of in excess of forty percent on what they've invested to date, which is which yeah. Is, Pretty good for any investment vehicle that I've, I've seen, certainly at the moment. So an- annualized ROIs, and that's not starting from, um, and uh, yeah, that obviously that's ROI. In terms of the, if I was to say how much have we grown, it, you've got absolutely ridiculously impressive numbers because it starts from like a really low base and you're like, well, it's been something like 4,000%. But the, the ROI number is the really important thing thing to, to kind of focus in on there. First year, I, I would say, yeah, and this is where, you'll see an inter- a misinterpretation of what a lot of SEO agencies will sort of talk to you about and they'll say, oh, it takes a year for SEO to work. And actually what what a lot of these people are actually trying to say is it takes a year for us to understand wh- what the ROI projections are going to look like. SEO works within days and weeks. The work that we're doing, you can, we, we almost instantaneously see an impact from it doesn't necessarily mean that you see an ROI, and that was what obviously mentioning earlier, talking about leading edge versus lagging edge indicators, and the ROI is definitely a lagging edge sort of indicator that we see. And typically, obviously, that that annualized ROI in the first year was zero percent. In the second year, was probably closer to between ten and twenty percent. And in the third year, we then see that jump up to forty percent. So. Like I say, it's cumulative. So next year, that annualized ROI will probably go up again, I would imagine, to in the region of 50%. And as we expand out that commercial commercial ranking, um, solidify the commercial rankings that we've already got and build on top of that, you've, you've got a, a compound effect. And you know, that's, that's ultimately what we're looking to looking to tap into with SEO, the compound effect, which, which you just don't get from so or paid social media or paid advertising unless you've yeah <laughs> you've you've got you've you've got some sort of new and fandangled mechanism for for making that work yeah what strikes me is that the sort of time frames you're talking about but also the percentage increases reminds you of you know building another asset to sell like a, a business as a whole but of course this is an asset that belongs to a business in a way that amazon ranking doesn't as, as you can talk to anyone who's had that ranking removed by amazon and we've all experienced that any individual listings, hopefully not the whole thing that happens as well. But then also, um, it, it's an asset that is growing in value over time and becomes very, very valuable, but over a four or five year horizon, which is typically what people look at when they're building an asset to sell as well, right? I mean, it, yeah. how does that interact? Do you have people that are, do your clients typically, are they building an asset to sell? And, and if so, how does the SEO factor into that? Yeah, it, it, it varies. There are definitely some clients who are building an asset because they just literally are in love with the brand that they're building. And again, that makes investment decisions far easier because the, is this worth it if I'm going to exit sort of question is off the table. Whereas we have had, and we, yeah, we've worked with clients who have, we, we built their websites, we got them sales, they exited and we continued to work with the aggregator. So we've, we've got instances of, of that as well, where the, the aggregators and the, the acquirers of the businesses saw the value in the off Amazon presence and the ability to continue to invest in that. So it, it is, it is a dynamic that exists. I, I think we probably have more budget conscious conversations 
and sort of projections of costs and income forecast discussions with those who are thinking about the exit. Because of course, you know, they don't want to overinvest when the, you know, it's not necessarily going to going to give them an enhancement on the multiple. Again, you know, if they their measure of success is the profit and therefore the multiple that they're getting on that profit, do they want to be heavily investing in something that is ultimately going to yield the biggest return on investment for the buyer? It's not necessarily where where they want to go with it, but but no, in a in a majority of cases where we particularly where we're doing our bigger projects, the the brands tend to be brand life lifetime ownership brands, brands that are going to be around forever. Which is a lot in alignment with something I actually said about my own brand on a previous podcast as well. <laughs> when when and actually I, I think there's probably an aspect of attracting those types of businesses to to our agency as well. Because when you take a lot of that conversation off the table and you can really just focus on getting the job done. It's such a powerful combo. Yeah, it's, I guess if you're really willing to play the long-term game, then you tend to win bigger in the in the long term. Right? It just requires a lot of commitment and a lot of willingness to risk the future, not panning out the way you want. There was a Seth Godin podcast about this, talking about olive trees, and apparently it takes sort of five or ten years before you even get your first crop from it. So it is the, the sort of time frame we're talking about here almost starts to feel like you know growing an orchard rather than you know creating some you know thing on. Amazon and flipping it within a year or whatever the mentality might be, right? It's it's really quite long term. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and, and it, you know, th- this is definitely the the place that sort of people who are building real brands with a, a, a real sort of trying to put a dent in the universe type of mentality come in. It doesn't mean to say that these mechanisms and these tools can't be used by people who are looking to to make an exit because it isn't like this is just an investment forever. As I say, you know, we're on three third year of. One of the programs and the ROI is fantastic. So building out a business across three years to to sell it on is not a, a bad place to be. And that annualized ROI is better than what you'll find in Amazon ads. That's an example. So yeah, it's it, it it's an interesting place for 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 me as a as a business owner, ecom business owner, and an observer as well as then the agency owner because it, I, I feel like it's learned. It, it, it's offered a lot of learning to me and to to my team about the way that people view the world. And and therefore how how to communicate <laughs> the benefits of of some of these things, which is completely different for for different different people with different incentives. So actually, look, it's always revealing talking to you. You've got a, a very good sort of mind that works on complex problems, and this is certainly quite an eye opening thing. That you know, the the main takeaway I'm getting from this is really kind of simple but profound, which is you've got to build your authority using the content, not just backlinks on on Google. But the upside is once you've done that, then you can rank easily or more easily for, for terms that will make you money, which is really interesting, kind of almost a philosophical change for me. So there's obviously a lot more involved in this. So you've got a guide at futurestatemedia.com forward slash traffic. So for Google SEO guide specifically for e-commerce operators, tell us a tiny bit more about what's included in that. Well, yeah. So there's some guidance, guidance on how to, to get started, some definitions around topical mapping, some tools that you can Go and tap into the free or have sort of really low cost free tra- free trials if you wanted to take a look at those. So it'll give you an idea of kind of how you could get started and maybe even start writing some articles and things like that. I would say that that's you know, that's a very entry level activity. If you're really looking to to kind of amp that up, I would say you, you'd need to sort of think about how you might purchase these services. And and there are ways again that you can go and get content written and you can go and pull these pieces of the puzzle together. And that's what the guide should give you as well. Some guidance on 
you don't have to do it all yourself. It's not about DIY. There is definitely an aspect of you can project manage it yourself and build the the pieces together and and do this. And that's that's what the guide's about, basically. Mixture of DIY and outsourcing. Great. Now, that sounds really, really helpful because some people will be tempted to DIY if they've got the time and energy on their hands. Good luck to them. I, I know most of the people we know who are serious Amazon operators, you know, could we mostly focus on that. Well, the e-commerce operators generally have already got a full deck. And yeah. so being able to outsource is, is definitely critical. And then obviously the last thing is if people really want to talk to you about how you might help them do this in a more personal way, they're going to go to what, futurestatemedia.com? How, how do you help people? In yeah, if you head on over to futurestatemedia.com, they should be on the homepage by the time this podcast is, a, a book a slot with me to have a conversation about how you could tap into the use of organic traffic for your business and whether that's an existing website that you've been working on for a number of years or you, you don't even have a website. We kind of will talk to, talk to you about it. You, what would suit you at any stage of the process. So yeah, if you add my over to futurestatemedia.com, you should be able to book a call with me and we'll, we'll have a further discussion. Sounds great. Well, I certainly know from the discussions over the years with you that, you know, you, you're good at getting on the cutting edge, but then making it an actionable process. So this is, uh, yeah, this has been quite mind-blowing in, in some ways. It's sort of made me rethink everything I thought I knew about Google SEO for the last 10 years. So I was obviously <laughs> living in delusion. So if you're out there, Feeling that this has been a wake up call, then, you know, before you go and spend lots of money with an SEO agency, I would strongly advise you go and talk to Ashley. Ashley, is there anything else that we haven't covered that we should have done? Anything I should have asked you? No, but I, th I think you kind of tapped into the, the, the kind of, there's a philosophical piece to this as well. And I think it can be applied not just in the context of the SEO work that we're doing, but actually just not, just don't lose sight of why you're doing what you're doing and going to don't get distracted by results that you didn't expect that might not have been the ones you should have been measuring in the first place. <laughs> There's always going to be something that, that comes out of the woodwork that feels like you should be taking advantage of it, but actually making sure that you have that North Star, have that room, you know, remembering why you're doing things in the first place is really, really critical. And regardless of whether we're talking about an SEO endeavor or something else, I think that's great advice to, to kind of live and die by, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, definitely. And I can attest to the distraction from seeing opportunities I mean, in my own business and clients as well. So you're quite right. Have a North Star. I remember why you're doing it. That's excellent advice. Well, look, just remains for you to say Ashley Pierce from Future State Media. Many, many thanks for coming on the 10K Collective podcast. Thank you for having me on. It's been great. Always a pleasure. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash for two seven thanks for listening to the 10k collective podcast for six and seven figure amazon sellers i really hope you found the show helpful to you please don't forget to subscribe to the show and if you're on apple podcasts please do leave us a quick star rating it will take you all of 30 seconds to do it but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.